Our next guest was born in New York and currently works in Hollywood. For over three decades, he has been putting the craft into practice, appearing in films and TV shows such as Quantum Leap, uh, Golden Girls, Blossom, Grace Under Fire, Stargate, Independence Day, Married with Children, Volcano, Godzilla, Scrubs, Entourage, Weeds, Blades of Gory, Family Guy, Raising Hope, <laughs> It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, True Detective, and much more. He has starred in a handful of Ben Stiller projects, including Zoolander, Starsky and Hutch, Little Fockers, and of course, Tropic Thunder. Thanks so much to David Pressman for joining us today. Absolutely. Hey, guys. With, with an intro like that, there's no way this interview can go wrong. The acting craft appears to run deep in your blood. Your parents, yeah. grandparents, and one of your great-grandparents were all actors. Um, your uncle even appeared in Raging Bull, one of my personal favorites. Uh, your dad is still acting, and of course, uh, our condolences rest in peace to your mom, Lana Saunders. Uh, you got your start on the screen, if I'm not mistaken, at the age of 20. But when did you know that you wanted to, as they say, keep the family tradition alive? You know, when I was a kid, uh, like a little kid, even growing up in York when I was like five or six, I would just do like show, I would make, I would force my family to come watch and I would do little skits and get my, you know, aunt or whatever grandmother to appear them, appear in them with me um, to, uh, to really annoy the entire family over and over and over again. And yeah, I just, I just always loved it. And you know, when you're growing up watching your parents do it, you're like, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. That's, um, so, and you said you were about four or five when you did that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. I was a weird kid. We get, we get it. <laughs> we get it. Before we get too far into all the work you've done, I want to take a moment to just, actually a few moments, if I'm being honest, to talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, because that is... Like, honestly, my favorite show on television ever in the history of shows on television. And to talk to somebody who has been who's been on that set, worked with those people, I'm going to take advantage of it for just a second. And you were you were actually in the one of the most impressive episodes that they've done, uh, Charlie work, which was kind of a, a step away from their normal the normal show format. It was all looked like one continuous shot. Um, so I want to get into that, but what was it like working with the gang as they call themselves? Uh, they were all very cool. Uh, they were very nice. By the time I got there, I think it might've been the 13th season. I'm not really sure. And so they had it down. It was like that. They just wanted to do it and they wanted to get the hell out of there and go back to their families. So yeah. it was really easy and just really fun. I'm interested to know because I know it looks like it's all one seamless shot, but it wasn't actually, you know, they're, they're going back and forth and you can see a few parts where it splices, but what was it like? Like, can, can you tell us to speak on that a little bit about how they, how they went about getting those shots and, and like in a lot of, a lot of shows, there's like a, a beat where you can go back to if you're going to cut. But with this, it's like the whole thing has to be done over again. Is that what it was like? I remember when I got the job, I had no idea that um, there was going to be that shot in it. And so I, th I think there was a, I mean, I guess there's a couple of breaks, maybe two or three. But I remember um, going in the day before we were supposed to shoot that long stretch. And we rehearsed it like a play. So the whole day was just rehearsal. No one was shooting um, and we got it down. And I remember like in that section, 
I don't say that much, but I say some stuff and I was just so nervous that I was going to screw this thing up. Yeah. Uh, thankfully I did it. So the next day, uh, we came back and we did it. And I think, um, we went through it about 12 or 13 times. Um, and I guess they picked the best one. Ironically, the, the very first time we did it, we like, it was right on spot on, but they still wanted to keep doing it. Um, yeah. and it was just super cool. That whole experience is super cool, but it was a lot of pressure, but it, that made it even more, the adrenaline was so, it was just really exciting. Yeah. With, uh, like, with, with most of their episodes, it seems like they have at least the opportunity to try different things in every, in every scene and, and then cut parts from each take what worked best from like different lines. But with, with that episode, it's almost like they had to commit to whatever was going to happen from start. Like they couldn't, they didn't have that opportunity to cut in between a scene. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm curious when, like they always come off as, as natural, like, it, I've seen a lot of people that accuse, uh, not accuse them, but think that it's um, improv a lot of the show and that the dialogue is just off the top of their head, but they've actually said it's scripted. Did you, like, what was your experience when it, when it came to that? Yeah, there was, uh, there was really no improv. It was really just, just say the lines. I remember there was even one part uh, where the health inspector comes up to me. It's very, and she just says, hi. And I just say, hi back. And I thought, well, maybe it'd be funny if I, I said hi, like I thought she was hot or something like that, like hi. And they were like, yeah, don't do that. Oh, wow. So <laughs> even the in yeah, inflection of the line. line. I was like, okay, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> it's crazy how meticulous it is in the script and how natural it comes off on the screen. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, they're great actors. Pull that off. I mean, when I first I asked you, was it, I felt like it was improv. You were like, oh, no, this is like scripted chaos. This is definitely scripted chaos. Uh, we've already, of course, thanked you for coming on the show. But now I have to thank you for being a friend because in 1991, you starred in The Golden Girls. And I, I feel like there isn't a person who lived in the 80s, no matter their race, creed or religion, that does not love The Golden Girls. So I asked this question, assuming you love The Golden Girls before appearing on The Golden Girls, what was it like loving a show from the comfort of your living room and now you're on set, becoming a part of it, working with the people you once watched and were entertained by? I like how you say starred. I had like three lines, in it, but thank <laughs> you for that uh, as the waiter. Um, you know, I, I watched the Golden Girls. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I was like, oh, yeah, this is a show that everyone loves. Um, I, you know, I was nervous. There was Betty White. It was Betty White and the guy that plays her, uh, her boyfriend, I think is the actor was named Harold Gould. So I just dealt with them. I met all the other people and that was kind of cool. I, again, I was just like, I just want to do a good job. I, don't, I want Betty White to like me. I don't mm -hmm. want her to think I'm a jerk. So I did it, you know, I kept my head down and it was a lot of fun. Ironically, now, if I say I'm on the Golden Girls, people freak out. Yeah, people just love the Golden Girls, even maybe now more so yeah. than they did back then. Yeah. So did but did Betty White like you? I think so. <laughs> I hope that, so. That's good enough. That's as I yes. Other yeah. than other than the Golden Girls, were there any other sets that you that you found yourself on and were were just like holy shit, I can't believe life has taken me here? I mean, one of the first things I did uh, was a show called Newhart. You guys are pretty young, but this is an old show. You know Bob Newhart, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, he had this big hit show in the. I guess 80s yeah 80s and that was one of my first really cool gigs I did a bunch of episodes 
And I just, at that time, I just couldn't believe that I was acting next to Bob Newhart and like, and Peter Scolari and all the other people. Cause I usually, I really watched that show and I was 25 at the time. And, you know, they do the show in front of an audience and I was just nervous wreck every time, you know, you're backstage and the little red light comes on. That means you have to go. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to faint. But I, I got my, my together and I went out there and my parents were always in the audience, you know, and, and if you listen to those, some of those old episodes, you could hear them laughing, which is kind of cool. Nice. But that was fun. But even like things like Independence Day and Stargate, all those kind of big, like epic movies were just so yeah. much fun to work on. And that was a perfect segue. I was going to ask you, um, in 1994, of course, you starred next to Kurt Russell in the sci-fi classic Stargate. And I know it's a lot of fans out there of that that film. So what was it like to work with Mr. Kurt Russell, one of the icons in the industry? Again, thank you for saying starred. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was awesome. Uh, I remember the, the my first day uh, was in uh, Yuma, Arizona, where they built... Uh, the set where we go and tell him that he's been recruited, he's got to come back, or he's got like a gun to us, he's about to kill himself because his son died. Uh, and he was just talking, he was just talking to us, uh, me and the other guy that I worked with about, you know, how he was almost a baseball player before mm -hmm. he became an actor. He was drafted by the San Diego Padres mm -hmm. and he was telling me all about that kind of stuff. And that was really cool. And then I worked on that movie, I think for about a month. A lot of it was done out here um, in Long Beach, California. And he was just a super nice guy. Uh, James Spader, I think said maybe one thing to me. Um, he was, he's, wasn't as, as, I mean, he was friendly, but just didn't really talk as much. I think yeah. he talked, I, I, I like to play poker. So he knew that about me. So we had that in common. So we talked a little bit about that. And now we all have had that in common. We're gonna go all in on this interview. Oh, excellent. <laughs> all right. you know, he, knows, he knows nothing about what yeah, we just said. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> we, we covered rounders and I was lost. Um, so, uh, so Roland Emmerich, of course, he does Stargate and you went on to work with Roland Emmerich in Independence Day and then Godzilla, both about two years after each other. And I was wondering, is that is there like a story there or is it pretty much you doing a good job at what you do and a casting director remembering your name. When I first auditioned for Stargate, uh, I auditioned for one of the soldiers that went through the gate and uh, who um, I think who got it was French Stewart is the, is the actor's name. Mm -hmm. And it was between me and me and him for that part. So I didn't get it. And they went, oh, here, give this, let's give a David this other part. And then they liked me, we became friendly and then they stuck me in, you know, Independence Day and then Godzilla. And then they stopped making movies in LA like they, you know, they did it either overseas or in Canada and I didn't get the call anymore. Wow. So, I mean, it'd be nice to get back onto that. Now, anyone who's followed Roland Emmerich's career or seen his films knows that he's all about big films. And when I say big, I'm talking about explosions, tidal waves, earthquakes, aliens, radioactive lizards. <laughs> what is it like working on sets like that? I'm very curious to know how a director like Roland works. I mean, keeping so many moving parts coordinated to bring that scene to life with something like that. I mean, you know, he knows what he wants. He's so good at it. That's all he's been doing his whole career. I, I just remember it, it, everything takes a really long time. So you're there for a really long time just waiting. Um, and you might go in and just do one line. You go out and there's another two hours and you come back and do your other stuff. Uh, 
it's just really fun. It's, it's, it's even more, it's cooler to see it on screen because when you're doing it, a lot of it is green screen and you're reacting to things that aren't there. Like mm -hmm. I'm not seeing the, you know, the, the spaceships in real life. Oh, um, <laughs> and it's, just, it's just cool to see that. It's just cool to, uh, it's cool to work on something like that. Also, the residuals on those things are great. I was gonna put, I was on, I was gonna put that in the questions, but it felt weird to ask. But I was always curious. Oh, yeah, what, you know, that that's good. That's good to know. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I think we will get to a day where uh, actors on set will actually be able to see the spaceships in the sky as they're shooting. Yeah, we're coming there, towards that. There will be a or whatever effect. Um, but so another uh, another filmmaker that you're trying to be frequently intersects with is Ben Stiller. Uh, beginning in 2001 with Zoolander, then Starsky and Hutch, Tropic Thunder, and then Little Fockers. Is there a reason for that again, or is that just kind of like the same thing where there's a cast and director that, that likes what you do? No, in this, this respect, it's a little different. I used to be roommates with his wife. Okay. Uh, Christine Taylor and I were roommates. Um, when we were in our 20s, we met doing an episode of uh, the show Blossom uh, back in the Whoa. day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, uh, so we became really good friends. And then she, you know, she married Ben. And so it's more of a friend thing. He sticks me in, uh, in movies. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. cool. I just got to find a better roommate. Still waiting. still waiting for a bigger part. A little small part. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Well, you know why we, we have you here. Let's talk about it. You brought it up and he brought it up. Let's talk about Tropic Thunder, one of the, I, I called it one of the most what, famously underrated films of all time because people just don't understand what it is. What Can you tell us about the overall experience and what, what was that set like? I know it had to be insane. Uh, yeah, that was a blast. Uh, I like, first of all, I like how you guys went through the cast of Tropic Thunder. You went all the way down to the bottom. We could probably get this guy. Let's let's get this dude. And I asked Ben oh, Stiller. Fine. I asked Jack Black. They they yeah, didn't. Brandon they T. Jackson. He's on, on the, the fence. fence. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, I'm surprised you couldn't get Brandon. Actually, <laughs> that was uh, that was fun. That was um, that was three weeks in Kauai, mm -hmm. which was awesome. Uh, uh, there was a lot of drinking. Uh, a lot of the actors that had smaller parts like I did, we all hung out. We, in fact, we mostly hung out with Steve Coogan, who is uh, a madman in a yeah. great way. But that whole, I mean, it was, it was great. I, I don't think I knew then, because I think that movie is awesome, as you guys do, obviously, because you're dressed up and you're doing all that kind yes. of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you really love that movie. I don't know, like, it was just such a great experience. Um, ben... You know, he really knows what he wants as a director, as an actor. He's, uh, you don't want to screw around with him. He's really focused. Uh, all those guys were nice. Downey, uh, Jack Black, um, Bill Hader, just all so nice. I remember one time, there was one really funny thing where um, Nick Nolte was sitting in his director's chair off to the side and suddenly he just leans back and he falls right over into this mud pit, but he doesn't move. He just is still kind of sitting in the chair while he's laying down the mud pit and just crew guys just have to lift him up. And he just had, he had like no reaction. Uh, that was kind of fine. Talking about being in character. 
<laughs> no, yeah. He was, yeah, he was definitely that guy. Tayback, that's awesome. Yeah, you get to, once you get to a certain level, you don't yeah. have to pick yourself up. Yeah, you don't even say oops. No, just, just, <laughs> somebody wait. There's a Jacob waiting. Yeah, they wouldn't have done that for me. Um, I just so, one story. If I uh, just on the way, yeah. uh, I'm going. Um, uh, my friend uh, Matthew Levin, who was also cast in the movie, he plays the cameraman. And we're on a flight to Kauai and I'm afraid of flying. So I, I'm taking alcohol, maybe a Xanax. I don't recommend it for everybody, but I have to like be out of it. So by the time the plane's in the air, I'm like, wee, I, I love this. <laughs> so um, an actress named Valerie Aslan was next to me. She plays Steve Coogan's assistant. And I'm chatting her up because she's attractive and stuff. And then for some reason, I'm, I just say, and I'm kind of wasted at this point, And I just say, you're gonna have sex with so many people on this set. And she just looks at me and she goes, yeah, okay. And she gets up, cause she's repulsed. And she, <laughs> and she goes over and sits next to my friend, Matt. And now they are married in real life. So it's thanks so, yeah, to you, this yeah, is perfect, thanks to you. Perfectly, exactly. man. <laughs> and even at their wedding, I, I told this story. Um, so yeah. That was, uh, I was hoping that it was going to end with Matt being even drunker than you were and just reiterating, you're going to get so late on this set and she just can't find one good person on this plane. To sit oh my seat. gosh. But yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a, that is a perfect wingman story. Wow. Uh, look. I'm that guy. Let me ask you this. You mentioned before, like you said, when you were working on other sets, you'd be there all day and do a line or two. Well, let me ask you this. How long were you actually on set for? You said, it was it three weeks you were there? How long were you guys there in Kuwait? I was there for a total of three weeks. What? Three weeks um, I, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was cut out. So okay. we were there. We were there for a while. Uh, I remember the whole scene with the, with the explosion, you know, when the explosion happens too soon. Mongol in the jungle. Yes, that was awesome. We all had to go back, but when the explosion happens, the heat was so intense and we could feel it for so far away. But just to see that was just really cool and stuff like that. That was awesome. I can imagine. But yeah, um, we, we were there for a while, but we also had plenty of time to, you know, hang out and just take a bunch of alcohol into our systems. There you go. That's, yeah. That's, what, that's what did we say after they said the one week down party? Like they're having parties for one week down. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But you know, the locals there do not like, um, they call them the mainlanders. They do not enjoy it there. So I, we had to defuse some situations. I was wow. buying a lot of people drinks so there wouldn't be fights and stuff like that. Wow. I heard there were that, that they don't really, sh there's not a lot of films that are shot there, but it was done because Ben Stiller has residence there that he was yeah. able to pull some strings and so yeah, I guess you could you can get it you can get it approved by the top. That doesn't make make it okay, okay. with the bottom. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they thought we were coming in and ruining gonna ruin their island. Wow. Which we did. But you know okay. right. so in fairness. You gotta make movie <laughs> magic. Yes. yes. Explosions and booty sweat cans all over the place. <laughs> Killing pandas, dead pandas. Um, so you, you've worked with Ben Stiller, the actor, you've worked with Ben Stiller, the director. I'm interested, is there, do, do you notice a, a difference in his approach when he's wearing both hats or if, if he's just on, in front of the screen? I mean, when he's a director, he's, he, I think he's way more focused. Uh, and, uh, I'm trying to say this and I'm gonna, I was going to say not as nice, but I don't want to say it like that. He's just, re just really intense. Yeah, and yeah. I think I remember on Zoolander once asking him a question and he just gave me like a, 
are you kidding me asking this question? I was like, I'm sorry. I just, I just needed to know where I stand. Like he's just really focused and just yeah. wants to get it done. As an actor, he's just like, eh, you know, I think sometimes he kind of wants to direct it, but he tries to stand back and let the actual director do it. I think anybody that's ever been on a film set would completely understand what you're saying, how it's not in an asshole way. It's just direct. You have so many things yeah. going on in your heads. You're juggling so many plates and every question feels like a, an assault. You, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you, you mentioned that there is a, you, there was a lot shot that we didn't see. Were there any scenes that, that you can think of that you were in that there were moments that you, that, would be if that you can kind of give us a verbal deleted scene there was a whole um scene there's a whole party scene actually it might have been in the director's cut i don't know there's a there's a whole party scene um an elaborate like just a crew party scene i remember doing um and then in the explosions in that in that initial scene there was a lot more dialogue um between the I was cut out is what I'm saying, guys. And I'm, okay, I'm okay. a little upset about it. I, a lot of with the uh, AD and with Ben trying to tell, give him, tell him what to do and stuff like that. Um, and then when Tom Cruise comes on screen, uh, you know, when we're at the meeting and Bill Hader's there and uh, mm -hmm. Tom Cruise makes the guy punch, the, punch Steve Coogan. There was a lot more to that. Um, I, that's all I can remember. Okay. That's cool. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, not necessarily just the Tropic Thunder set. Anytime you've actually worked with Ben Stiller, what, what could you say your favorite memory from being on a Ben Stiller set's been? I think Zoolander when, and it's not in the original movie, but in the, in the orgy scene where I'm prominently featured, <laughs> there, uh, there, which was also very weird that I, because I, ha I have to start making out with his wife's back. So that was weird too, just him directing me, making out with his wife's back. But there was um, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, because I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm like it's like she's make, she's there, and I'm kissing her back. I'm I'm very oh, familiar yeah. with. Ooh, love to love you, baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then we all had it. We all had our orgasm scenes in the where we all filmed it. So the camera would all spin around us, and we were all making orgasm noises. That was really fun. I would have, I would have been. There's no way I could not have done the Forrest Gump sound if they would have got him. Uh, uh, uh. That would have been mine. I would have, I would have had to go with that. that. That does have to be really strange though, being directed by her. No her man, husband. get in there. Get, yeah. get in there. I mean, there are people that don't get paid to be in that situation. Right. So, yeah. At least there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. It was, and, and luckily, also, I was good friends with her, so it wasn't. You know. Right. It yeah. was okay. Before we move on from Tropic Thunder, I know you've, you've already given us so much. Is there anything else that you want to share? I mean, it was a blast. It was just to be in Kauai for three weeks, you know, being paid to right. be there and to act with all those, you know, great people. And you really can't ask for much more. So we'll move on from Tropic Thunder. Uh, Scrubs, Raising Hope, and Weeds. These are another three of my favorite shows. Like I, when I was reading your IMDb to my wife, she was like, He's in pretty much every show that we love. Um, which uh, of those three, which is your favorite set to work on? Uh, Scrubs was fun because the director of that episode was an old friend of mine. That's actually how I got the job. Um, cool. Who's uh, uh, Matthew Perry, nice. you know, Chandler on Friends. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that was super fun. Uh, you know, Raising Hope was great. Uh, I did a couple of those, you know, that was, that was really fun. I can't, I mean, they're all fun. I'm just so happy when I get to work. I think that's, I think that's why I still like doing it. Like I'm, you know, in my fifties, but I'm still like really excited when I go on a set, like, wow, I get to do this. This is so cool. When you did Scrubs, was it when they had the whole hospital as the, I, I can't remember what season they switched from a, the actual hospital to a set, but were, were you on a set or at the hospital? No, that was the actual hospital. Okay, cool. Yeah, that yeah. was, they had, they had a whole hospital to themselves to pretty much do whatever they wanted in outside of the, like. That's crazy. And execs barely made it by from what I heard. So they were just kind of left to their own devices. I'd have been somewhere else trying to film a short somewhere in one of the hallways or somewhere. Like we got access to it. Let me, I want to switch gears for a moment here and ask you this. I know me, when I first uh, decided I wanted to get into acting, I was always like, I want to see my face on screen. I want my mom to see me, all these things. And then. For me personally, when I first saw myself on screen, I realized I would never have to worry about a critic because I was always going to be my biggest critic, nitpicking every single thing I did. So let me ask you this, as an actor yourself, what's your initial gut response to seeing yourself on the screen? I'm usually disgusted. Okay. By looking at myself. I actually really do watch some like this with maybe just a little hole. I hate looking at myself. It's such a so. weird paradox that performers find themselves in because more often than not, they want to be in front of a crowd, but they don't want to be seen. Especially if you're, if you're doing, if you're in a movie and you go to a movie and you see yourself and you're gigantic, it's just, it's just gross. I, 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 I hate it. <laughs> this face wasn't meant for IMAX. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can understand all the, everything comes out. Um, so this, this kind of falls in line with that saying, it's just the, the exploring the ego side of, of, of what you do when most people are you know they have the dream of becoming an actor they it's usually seeing themselves on the poster their name above the title um but to make a movie come to life it requires a range of people that are willing to set egos aside and be the supporting in this world that, that's being created over and you've been doing this for almost for over three decades have you ever wrestled with that as far as your ego goes no, I, I'm, I, again, I'm just happy to be working. But my dad uh, is a character actor. He's been working. If you look at his IMDb, it just goes on and on and on. And he's still working. People are like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. If I could have yeah. a career like that, I'd be so happy. I don't need to be on the billboard. I don't need to any of that stuff. I'm just happy acting. That's really cool. What I mean, did, would you have any advice to somebody that is in it for, for the the poster picture for the name above the title the ego <laughs> yeah you... i mean you usually probably is a very small very small percentage of a chance that that it's going to be you on the poster i think that if you if you want to get into acting you got to do it because you really love it mm -hmm. you really love acting because there's a lot of highs and lows mostly lows and you got to deal with that and you got to be cool with that but if you think that you just can be like a, a star like that it's that's pretty rare.
That's funny you say that. Because I, I was going to ask. I mean, clearly, he, uh, I saw your IMDb. I did not get you to go to your dad's. I didn't have enough time, but I'll make sure I do that later. But I went to your IMDb. And it's one thing that we've talked about with a lot of guests was with doing COVID and everything was like consistent work. And, of course, you've still been, like you say, consistently working. So we were going to ask that you have any advice for anybody trying to, to break in. And you were kind of talking about that. Like you got to expect the highs and the lows. But I think one of the one of the things we've heard from other people is you got to stay consistent. You got to keep churning. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think anytime you get a chance to act, even if it's just doing a stupid thing on Instagram, a video or whatever, um, I'm not on TikTok, but I know I could be. I know you're looking at me go, you should be on TikTok. No, but, um, <laughs> I hate it. Technically, you should be. Personally, I think not. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anything creative, I think, is good, especially this year. I mean, this year for me personally was brutal. I haven't, I, I think I worked once. So, I'm hoping this all ends. I want to get back into the grind. I've been auditioning now, hopefully get some new jobs. But I think as, as often as you can just keep doing something, mm-hmm. that's the key. And uh, before, and first of all, again, we always like to say thank you for coming on again. But before we let you go, and it doesn't have to be necessarily about film. It could be about life, books, whatever. Is there any parting words you want the people to know or hear anything you want to, energy you want to put out there or manifest into the world? Um, wear a mask. Okay. There you go. Hey, hey, there you go. Only actually the first guest we've interviewed twenty five thousand people. You're the first one to see it. So there you go. You're going on the guest wall. Good one, man. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much again, man. Listen, we'll be following up on you. And like I say, man, listen, nothing but peace and blessings. We wish you consistent work. We know things are going to pick up for you, man. And good luck in the future, sir. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Why don't you subscribe? It'll last longer.